Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 87 is entitled, The Truth Shall Make You Free. We use the following terms interchangeably, free will, freedom, agency, and liberty. In this podcast, I want to emphasize the differences. I want to establish the boundaries of each word for each is unique. In a recent podcast entitled False Analogy, I drew attention to the fact that in the scientific world, some scientists do not believe that man has free will. The error derives from the fact that they draw all of their conclusions from the determinism of temporal law. They discount God. They discount spiritual law. They discount the immortality of the soul. They see only the world governed by entropy. In the previous podcast, I quoted the following statement from Mr. Stephen Hawking, who is speaking for a large segment of the scientific community. The quote is extracted from Mr. Hawking's book, The Grand Design. It is hard to imagine how free will can operate if our behavior is determined by physical law. So it seems that we are no more than biological machines, and that free will is just an illusion. As I pointed out in the podcast, many scientists are atheists who derive their view from the following false analogies. Number one, man is a machine. Number two, man is an animal. Number three, man is an accidental collocation of atoms. The clause. Man is an accidental collocation of atoms came from the philosopher and mathematician and evangelical atheist Bertrand Russell. Science claims that we live in an accidental universe. The argument that I present is that free will, agency, and liberty are only incidentally related to the physical body. We really are biological machines, extremely fine-tuned to live in what Shakespeare calls this breathing world. What atheists overlook is that the flesh is not the source of life. It is the spirit, not the flesh, that has life. Every cell of the flesh is infused with the spirit, and that is why the flesh appears to have life. When the spirit leaves, the flesh dies. Flesh is merely the physical manifestation of the spirit. The flesh cannot live independently of the spirit, but the spirit can live independently of the flesh. Physical death is the separation of the body and the spirit. The body goes to the grave. The spirits go to the place appointed by God. The spirit existed before the flesh, and the spirit will continue to exist after the flesh dissolves into this melting world. All living things have a spirit, or they are no longer living things, whether flora or fauna, man, animal, insect, tree, flower, etc. Without the spirit, the flesh dies and decays and dissolves back into this melting world. The spirit alone has life in itself. The spirit alone is immortal, not subject to entropy. Free will is a product of the spirit. Will self-exists. Intelligence cannot be created or destroyed. There is no first cause to the essence we call life. There may be a first cause to the immortal spirit body that houses our intelligence, There may be a first cause to the physical body that houses our spirit, but there can be no first cause to the spark of life that we call intelligence, or consciousness, or will, or life force. If that is not true, the existence of that which we call life does not make any sense. 
The primary law of the universe is that something can never come from nothing. If intelligence does not self-exist, where does God come from? Scientists tell us that matter and energy self-exist. The function of law, that which scientists call physical law, is to give order to self-existing matter and energy. The primary fallacy of science is thinking that there must be a first cause to everything. It seems odd to think that when they know that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. It has no first cause. It is a small leap to conclude that intelligence also has no first cause. If intelligence must be created, then science would be right. There would be no free will, for it would be the product of the Creator, whether we call that Creator God or chance. We must conclude that intelligence, consciousness, life force, or will has no first cause, just as matter and energy have no first cause. Organization alone has first cause. It is very strange that science knows that unless acted upon by law, things move from order to disorder. By claiming that the universe came into being by chance denies the fundamental laws of thermodynamics. The entire purpose of science is to define the laws of the universe. Yet scientists claim that it all began by accident, which denies law. Accidental law is an oxymoron. It is a nonsensical statement. It is like saying that the entire order of the universe began by chance. Law proves that the arrow of time is governed by entropy, or the move toward disorder. Order exists only because laws exist. How were laws organized? It is law that must have a first cause. It is law that requires intelligent design. It is the existence of law that witnesses to the existence of an omniscient creator. There is no greater witness of the existence of God than the existence of law. Yet atheists use law to prove that God is unnecessary. It reminds me of the hiker who fell off a cliff and cried out, Please God, save me. The hiker was suddenly caught on a limb. He said, Never mind God, I don't need you. By lucky coincidence, I was saved by a limb. God is God, not because he is older, but because he is more intelligent than we are. He is omnipotent because he is omniscient. He is creator because he organizes laws from self-existing matter and energy that creates the universe that we observe through the Hubble telescope as well as Earth. The world we live in, God, who is called the father of our spirits, gave us immortal spirits in his image to house our self-existing intelligence. God really is the father of our spirits, for we were born into his kingdom. God created the earth, and from the materials of this earth gave us physical bodies after his likeness to house our immortal spirits. The will self-exists, but not the spirit in the image of God, and not the physical body after the likeness of God. God set our will free by organizing a complete set of laws that we too may become creators. On this beautiful blue planet, we are all creators of a limited sort because we understand the complete set of laws that govern Earth. Laws have conditions. If we understand the conditions of law, we have the power to make law serve us. When science says that we do not have free will because our behavior is determined by physical law, they are denying the fact that the consequences are determined by the conditions of law. Consequences, or the effects of law, do not occur without the cause of law. The effect is always deterministic if the conditions are necessary and sufficient to cause the consequences. 
Some conditions, of course, we have no control over, but thousands of others we do. It is control over those conditions that give us free will or that set our will free. The more we understand the conditions of law, the greater is our free will. When the Savior said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He could just as easily have said, And ye shall know the law, and the law shall make you free. There are two sets of laws, temporal laws and spiritual laws. Both sets of laws have conditions. Science teaches us the conditions of temporal law. Prophets, speaking for God, teach us the conditions of spiritual law. It follows that if we know the truth about temporal law, we have greater temporal freedom. And if we know the truth about spiritual law, we have greater spiritual freedom. Agency is a separate issue. Agency deals only with good and evil. We have agency only when we can distinguish between good and evil. Good and evil, though obviously affected by temporal law, since we live in a mortal world, are primarily concerned with spiritual law. The Ten Commandments, though they teach us how to live happily in a temporal world, are primarily spiritual laws. They are called by James the law of liberty. You cannot have agency unless you know the difference between good and evil. You cannot have liberty unless you obey the law of liberty. In other words, you cannot have complete liberty unless you obey the Ten Commandments. All evil in this world came about because of disobedience to the Ten Commandments. You want proof? Just carry each commandment to its logical conclusion and ask yourself, what would life on earth be like if everyone obeyed the Ten Commandments? That leaves the final term, freedom. Freedom is a product of man-made laws. Governments create laws to govern society. Jails are created to punish those who violate man-made laws. Here is the primary dilemma of man-made laws. Consequences care nothing about opinions or social trends or political correctness or governments or ideologies or causes or movements or intentions. When God creates laws, he creates absolute consequences. When man creates laws, he generally creates confusion. For example, God said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Man-made laws say you have a right to your own sexual expression. The problem with such a law is that man cannot control the consequences of a prurient society. They cannot prevent unwed mothers, poverty, divorce, crimes of passion, depression, gangs, violence, drugs, homes without fathers or homes without mothers, and all the other known consequences of the dissolution of families often caused by sexual promiscuity. An increase of rights does not guarantee an increase of liberty. In fact, an increase of rights without regard to agency and liberty, without regard to good and evil, has been the cause of the fall of nations. One only must read Gibbons, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, to understand the consequences of the breakdown of morality. It is a continuum. Man-made laws that are in harmony with the law of liberty will lead to freedom. Man-made laws that are not in harmony with the Ten Commandments will lead to misery and captivity. This glittering world decays into the liquefaction of death and what is left but the immortal human spirit. We are here in this beguiling world for a purpose, and the sooner we find that purpose, the happier we will be. Too many of us, like flies, are getting stuck in the cloying muck of sticky lies. Worse yet, we have become lost children, trapped, 
all gingerbread-like by the sweet promises of those in high office, who invite us into their make-believe world only to devour us. I am disturbed by those in high places, in their lust for power, who are taking away our liberty and selling this nation out for their own temporary glory or narrow-minded ideology, who lie unblushingly, who use our tax money to advance their power while the nation drowns in debt. They reap where they haven't sown. They grow rich where they haven't labored. They rattle our conscience with the double-edged sword of political correctness, but live in saccharine luxury off the sweat of those whom they hold in contempt, while exalting themselves above the law. For me, there is only one center, and that is not found in the creeds or credentials of a heliocentric world. It is found only in the theocentric world of Christ, our Lord and Savior the creator of heaven and earth, and the true center of all creation. If we are to preserve this nation, we must look to him for liberty. Liberty is found only in knowledge of truth, and truth is found only in spiritual law, and only truth can make us free. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.